Welcome back, everybody. We hope y'all had a good holiday season and are off to a wonderful new year, 2019. I have been chomping at the bit to start recording again. It feels like it's been forever, but I think it's only been two months, three months, two months. Have y'all seen those memes that say it feels like January 74th or it's the year 2032, but it's still January 2019. Anyway, thankfully it is now February and Mary and I are excited to try something a little new and a little different this month. As you know, our podcast is Blue Wife Life, but we are more than just wives. We're moms and sisters, daughters, friends who have different roles in life and so much to offer this world. And the women we have interviewed have so much to offer as well. And even though we are in law enforcement families, we have common ground with so many women all over the world with the topics that we're planning to discuss this month. And with the recent birth of Mary's daughter, we've decided to do a little mini series just for the month of February called The Road to Motherhood. We're going to explore the journey to motherhood that isn't always talked about. It's not always pretty or displayed. So we're going to talk about miscarriages, infertility, adoption, premature births, and one mom is even going to share her just heartbreaking story of having a stillborn son. These are real stories that we wanted to share to help give encouragement to all the women that are out there who are going through this or just something hard in life. Whether it is with motherhood or not, we feel like each story will touch you in some way. You know, life isn't always Instagram and Facebook worthy, and that's something to be talked about. You can scroll through social media and everything looks so perfect. And I know that's not the image that Mary is trying to put out in this case, but everything can look perfect on the outside. But what people don't know is that Mary has had six pregnancies, which has left her with three miscarriages. And that is what we are going to talk about today. So for the record, this interview was done about a month ago before Mary's third baby was born. So don't let the pregnancy talk confuse you. We try to record our episodes when we see each other, because as many of you know, we live in different cities, but the holidays afforded us the chance to be able to be in the same room together to record. An important side note is that this interview can get a little graphic in places, and we know this is a sensitive topic and so close to many of your hearts. So just be a little prepared in that sense. And today we have flipped the script. Mary is not going to be my co-host, but she is the interviewee this time around. So here is our conversation. Okay. Ready? Yeah. Okay, Mayor. So, um, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm tired. It's 8.30 in the morning. Yeah. And we're sitting in the same room together. Uh-huh. Um, so, Mary, you want to know what I think is so funny about uh, on the light side of what we're about to talk about? What's that? I remember driving, talking on the phone with you for hours when I would be driving through the state of Texas, <laughs> like, oh, yeah. clear through the state. That takes a long time. And we would talk about the families we were going to have. Like we were in so much control of it. I would love for my kids to be like two years apart and I'd a love boy to and a girl. Yes. Yes. And then we'll be done. And all <laughs> the reasons why that would be the best thing 
And what do they say? Like, when you make a plan, God laughs, right? Yes. Oh, for sure. So I think those girls were idiots. Yeah, we were big idiots. (laughs) We still are, I think. Probably. And we'll look back at 10 years and be like, what the heck? Like, we don't even know what we're talking about. And then we'll have a podcast that can record all of our idiocy. Yeah. Um, No, but really, so we... We really had this big plan and for how that was going to happen. And then you think, like, when I'm ready to have a family, I'm just going to get it done. Like, yeah, you have sex, you're pregnant, right? Like, yeah, and everything goes according. And then you have the baby and they sleep and they mm-hmm. eat great and they don't talk back to you. Well, or <laughs> even and even if you do have some hiccups there, there's a book. That will solve it. You can just read a bunch and research a bunch. Or you call your pediatrician and they give you the answer over the phone and you're like, oh, okay. Do you remember when I called my pediatrician when Bo was like six months old and I was like, he's just crying. What is wrong with him? And they were like, well, he's probably teething. And I said, okay, well, how long does teething last? Oh, I do remember (laughs) this. They said, till he's about two and a half. And I was like, What? Two and a half? Now I look at myself and I think, oh, I was... They must have gotten off the phone and laughed so hard at me. Well, so the topic we're about to talk about, I think, is... I don't know. Maybe with our generation, it's getting better. Mary and I are both 35, so people can speak to this or against this. But I feel like people are getting more outspoken about miscarriage and, um, but before you, before you're in it, you never really heard about it. People don't talk about that, whether it's because they don't feel like they can. I know a lot of people feel like they don't have a friend that wants to hear about it. And I don't think that's true. I think a good friend wants to hear about what you're going through. Yeah, I I definitely think it's talked about a lot more now, like with our generation than our moms, but for sure our grandmothers, because I know both of my grandmothers had six kids each and they had right before my Nana died, I had my second miscarriage and she, I told her and her reaction was she was like sad for me, but then she was like, I had a lot of those. And I was like, what? You had a lot of those? Like meaning multiple ones. And I never Mm. knew this, you know? And she said, back in our day, we just didn't talk about it. And then you wonder, like they had to wait like 12 weeks before they'd go to the doctor. Mm -hmm. You wonder like probably most of them went undetected. Well, now you can find out so soon. Yeah. So I, I do think our generation is talking about it more. And I think our mom's generation helped pave the way. But then I think now we're being really open about it and it's helping other moms. So that's our goal today is just to share our story and hopefully help encourage some of you if you are going through that right now. Or if you have gone through that but haven't talked about it a lot. Or, you know, the thing is, even if you don't, if you're one of the lucky ones to not have to go through that and you have these magical, healthy babies and 
healthy kids, you are going to have a friend that goes through this. And then to all the women out there that are way older, or not way older than us, but way more experienced in life than us, <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure you are, you know, can totally relate to this as well because, um, y'all are the women that helped us get through it or helped me get through it. Cause I had a lot of people reach out to me. So, so tell us about you've, you're on your third pregnancy, uh, about to happen. Yes. Wait, third baby. Sorry. That didn't make sense. Yeah. You, this is, this is actually my sixth pregnancy, but my third baby, uh, to be born God willing. And, um, yeah, so I had, I've had three miscarriages. So can you tell us about the first? Yeah. Um, so I had Bo, my firstborn, um, kind of like the way you just described, um, you know, we decided let's start trying to have a baby and I got pregnant very quickly and had a great pregnancy. Um, he was born early, but, and he was in the NICU for a few weeks, but other than that, he, um, as far as the planning aspect of it went, I got pregnant, had my baby and mo- moved on with life. Thought, oh, I'll, um, I'll get pregnant again when he's two, exactly two. So, um, my husband and I, that was our plan, like you know, get pregnant right around Bo's second birthday. So they will be a little less than three years apart, but still two years apart in school. Like this is all my thought process of, I want them this far apart in school. And then, then he'll be potty trained because I thought I knew my little boy would be potty trained at two years and nine months, which did not happen. Um, I had all these ideas in my head of when the perfect time to get pregnant was. So you should have known that should have been a clue in right there because <laughs> Bo was like, yeah, I'm going to throw a wrench in all of your plans yeah, like, I am in terms of potty everything. training, like yeah. potty training, just everything with his. Yeah. He was really hard to potty train. If anybody's going through that right now, um, it was a nightmare anyway. So he turns to, we try to have a baby and boom, I get pregnant and I thought, that was so easy. Like this is all working out perfectly, just like our plan that we had talked about for years. So I was about six and a half weeks pregnant and started spotting. And, you know, you hear people say like, oh, you can spot when you're pregnant. So I called my doctor and that's what they told me. They said, just watch it. If you start bleeding more then come in, well, then I started bleeding more the next day and went into my doctor and they did an ultrasound and they said, well, you're still pregnant, but it's showing you're only five weeks pregnant or five and a half weeks pregnant. And at this point, I knew I was at least a week further than that, just based off of my timetable. And they were like, but we see, you know, the sack And they were like, let's just, it might just still be old blood. And this was about three and a half years ago. So I'm haven't slept a lot since then. So I'm trying to remember everything exactly. So I go home and they test my levels that day. And then I had to come back the next day and test the levels. And I was still like continuing to spot. 
and um, it was November 4th. It was my eighth wedding anniversary. I remember that. Um, and I had mops that morning, which is a mom's group. Um, and I was on the leadership committee and I ended up going because I was like, I don't want to just sit at home. Like this is driving me crazy. So I went to mops and during mops, I just started bleeding. Like it became obvious what was happening, like really obvious. And so I said, I'm, you know, I need to go home And as I was like getting in my car to go home and I got a phone call from my doctor and he was like, Hey Mary, yeah, the pregnancy is not viable because my levels had gone down and which I already knew at that point, um, what was happening, but I said, okay. And that was our anniversary. So I called my husband and he kind of already knew Like, we kind of knew what was happening. I think we were just hoping for, like, a Hail Mary or something. Um, And that was that. And that day, I just remember feeling really disappointed and sad and confused. And I was about six and a half weeks pregnant. And I had found out early. So, I had known for about three weeks. And... Um, one of the things that I was like really sad about, which sounds so weird is the age gap because I knew from other people, if you have a miscarriage, it takes a few months to get pregnant again. And I was like, no, they're going to be three years apart in school now, which is so stupid that that was like one of my first thoughts, but that is like what was going through my head is that they're already, they're going to be, they're going to be further apart. And my process with that was just a few weeks of sadness. I cried, but my doctor was like, you are healthy. You've had one healthy baby. There's no reason to think that this can't happen again. One in five or one in four. I need to know this statistic. You know, I think it. he said one in five. One in five pregnancies ends in a miscarriage. You know, this is really very normal. So tell us about the second. So okay, miscarriage. so that was in November, the first one. So I just kind of go through the holidays and just think I'm going to enjoy the holidays with Bo and Stephen, and um, and we'll get pregnant right after Christmas. Well, I didn't get pregnant in January. I didn't get pregnant in February, and I did get pregnant in March. But like the timing, it was like four months between like losing the first baby and then getting pregnant. Um, I found out the end of March. So it had been, yeah, right at four months um, since I lost the first baby. And I was like super excited, uh, super optimistic. Now that baby was due December 4th and that baby would have just turned three years old um, this few weeks ago. But Um, so I was super excited, super positive. I call my doctor and they're like, okay, we'll come in next week. And my doctor at the time did sonograms every visit. So super nice because he could tell me exactly like how far along I was. So I go in and I'm like five and a half weeks. So I found out early again because I can't wait and I take the pregnancy test really early. But, um, I think everybody, yeah, (laughs) I, go into the doctor. He confirms my pregnancy. 
And he tells me, like, you're about five and a half weeks along. And he said, but I have to tell you, um, there is, I don't even remember the technical term he used, but basically it was like a, a blood sack, like a little, um, assist on my uterus. And he was like, there's, he called it a chorionic, I don't even know. I'm a chorionic sub something. I'm going to mess it up, but it was just this little like blood sack on my uterus or not my uterus, my I don't know, down there somewhere. <laughs> we'll, I'm going to get this Maybe wrong. we can uh, like I need record to like... a little section over that so we can sound like we know the female body. <laughs> yeah, okay. Anyway, so he found... Because I don't know either. <laughs> I'm like, I should know this. This is a really big deal in my life. Um, he found a blood sack and he said, okay... Just so you know, this is there. What's most likely going to happen is this is going to absorb into your placenta and into like into your body. So you, it'll most likely be gone the next time you come back in. And he was like, but the other option is you might start bleeding a little. So don't let this freak you out. And he was like, it'll be like brown. And I said, okay. And again, I was still very optimistic and my doctor was too. So I would like went into this all, you know, bright eyed and bushy tailed like, yes, I got, I'm going to have another baby. They'll be three years apart in school, but that's okay. So then I keep going with the pregnancy. I go in at about eight weeks and I hear a heartbeat and he's like, your baby looks great. The little blood sack is still there, but that's okay. Like, it'll most likely just absorb. He didn't call it a blood sack. I don't know what he called it, but I will figure that out. And so that was at eight weeks. So after I heard the heartbeat, I was like, okay. And he goes, your percentage of a miscarriage goes way down after eight weeks. So he was like, I think you're you're in the clear. Now, he couldn't tell me that. Yeah, subchronic hematoma. Uterus blood blister. Yeah, that's what it was. Is that it? Yeah. Blood clot. Not blood sack. Blood clot. That sounds really bad. But yes. Blood clot in the uterus during pregnancy. That's what I had. A sub... What is it called? Uh, A subchronic hematoma. (laughs) That's what I had. But And he used those terms. He didn't say blood clot because I think that freaks people out more. So eight weeks, hear the heartbeat... About nine weeks, we have a garage sale, and I, like, I start telling people because, um, you know, you I feel like you kind of wait a lot of times to tell people. My family knew, Stephen's family knew, and my very close friends knew, but then I started, like, telling, like, a lot of people because I had heard the heartbeat. I was nine weeks, and I was just, I was, like, I felt like that fear was kind of over with Um, a uterine blood clot, no different from those that occur anywhere else in your body. They form from coagulated blood cells and proteins to have one. You must've been bleeding in your uterus at some point, which is less ominous than it sounds over time. The clot may be reabsorbed into the uterus or it may just loiter around harmlessly until your baby is born. Yes. So you had a reason to feel optimistic. So that is exactly what I had. And that's why the doctor wasn't really concerned. 
So nine weeks, I'm getting really excited. I'm telling people I hadn't announced it on social media, but I mean, if you knew me in real life, like you knew I was pregnant. So at about nine and a half weeks, I started having that brown discharge again. And I was like, okay, okay, it's okay. He said this would, this would probably happen. Um, I've already heard the heartbeat, you know, it's I'm like talking to myself, like it's fine. And my husband is very much a, don't worry about something until you have to worry about it. And so he was like, Mary, don't freak out. It's fine. Like he told us this would happen. Um, and that was on a Saturday and then it was just like real light all day Saturday. And then on Sunday started getting heavier and I went to church and went to lunch and then came, I called, my friends were like, I think you need to call your doctor. So I called my doctor after lunch and he called me back. It was on that Sunday and he was like, well, Mary, you know, I really can't tell you over the phone without doing an ultrasound. Um, it, this could be very normal or you could be having a miscarriage. And that's the hard part I think about this is because you can ask everybody's body is so different. Cause mm-hmm. I remember you calling me and like with my, with Addie, my middle child, um, I did have a lot of bleeding and my husband had been gone for a month. And so I went to visit him while he was gone and tell him, and I was so excited to tell him. But then I was also like, I I had a lot of bleeding. I was like, I think I'm pregnant, but uh, maybe I'm not. So here's your announcement. (laughs) Like I do. And you told me with Addie, you were like, I'm pregnant, but I'm probably having a miscarriage. Yeah. But I remember you during these miscarriages that you're talking about right now, calling a lot. And I wanted to be optimistic for you. And it's so hard because you were like, how much bleeding did you have? And everybody's body is just so different. Mary's currently taking her shirt off. I'm like so hot. I have a bra on. I'm just switching. You're going to cut that. But anyway, everyone's body is just so different. And I remember you multiple times calling, well, exactly how much and you know, cause you just want things to go well. See, and that's funny. I don't remember that, but uh, that doesn't surprise me. Well, so I start bleeding. I start bleeding more, call the doctor. He tells me that. And so that day I'm just kind of like, Oh, what's happening. But I, it's like, as the day wore on, I, I kind of knew like I'm having another miscarriage. Well, I, I didn't know at nine and a half weeks, I thought I had an appointment my doctor had said, come in tomorrow at 8 a.m. and I'll see you first thing when I called him that day. And I thought they're going to confirm that I'm like having a miscarriage and they are going, I'm going to have to like go in for a DNC. And that's just what I assumed would happen, would happen. And so that's what I told my husband, like, you're probably going to have to take off work. So he had emailed his boss and I went to sleep that night and I, I was wearing a pad at this point cause I was bleeding so much. And by the time I went to bed, I mean, it was like a really heavy period. It happened that fast within like six hours. And so I just was thought, thought they're going to send me straight for a DNC in the morning. Um, cause I was nine and a half weeks. So around 3am I woke up and I felt like that 
I felt like, oh, I just, I'm just bleeding a ton. And so I got up, went to the bathroom. I, we had a golden retriever at the time. Um, he always followed me in to go pee in the middle of the night. So Bauer follows me in and I'm like super out of it, turn the light on. And I, and I had my pad on and I pull, you know, everything down to go to the bathroom. And I like, look, and I'm thinking, what is that? And I like look closer and I'm half asleep and there's like the baby is in my pad and like the little sack was in my pad with the blood clot attached to it. And it was probably about as half as big as the sack. And then there was my baby in my pad and the baby was about an inch long or an inch and a half long and had eyes and a nose. Um, I could see like little tiny arms, like arm buds, really little like leg buds. Um, I could see like it definitely was a baby. What were your first thoughts? Well, my first thought was like, what, this can't be happening. Like this, like, like my baby just is in my pad and I screamed for Steven and he came in there and I said, what, what is this? Like, that's all I could remember saying because I was so confused And I was like, is that, is that our baby? Is that our baby? And at this point I'm bawling. Like, it's kind of like, I, I I remember it very clearly, but then it's also very muddy at the same time. And he took the pad and I was just bawling. The toilet is filled with blood at this point. And he takes the pad and he looks at it. I don't even know how long it felt like two minutes, but it was probably just like 10 seconds. And he was like, yeah, Mayor, you know, that's, that's the baby. And I just like fell to the ground and I was just bawling. And Steven, I don't remember what he did at that moment. I think he just sat down there and like hugged me and he started crying and It was just this very surreal, weird, devastating moment of not just that I was having a miscarriage, but that this baby was like in my hand and I was only nine and a half weeks pregnant and like I could see eyes, nose, you know, arms, head, neck, torso, everything. And so... It was, it was just very, very surreal. I felt like I was like floating over my body almost. And I just held that baby and just cried for like 45 minutes on the ground. Anyway, Stephen, I'm like, I was like, Stephen, go get something to put the baby in. So he goes and gets this little Tupperware, like plastic, like kitchen container 
and he brings me back this Tupperware and I put the pad in it. And so I'm just holding the Tupperware with the little tiny baby in there. And Steven's sitting next to me and he's bawling and, well, not bawling. He was, he was crying, not as hard as I was. But I, I think he was more sad seeing the baby and then also seeing how upset I was. And it, it was 3.30 in the morning at this point. What did you do with the baby? Well, that was the hard part is because I felt like I had this little tiny baby and I literally didn't know what to do. And it was 3.30 in the morning. So I, Steven, I could tell was just so exhausted and he was upset. And I said, just go, you get back in bed. I'm just going to go like sit in the living room. And I went and sat on our couch or no, I sat on the, our like kitchen bar stool area. And I just like stared at this little baby. And then I like got, like I had stopped crying and then I got all upset again. So I knew I only had like this short amount of time to physically look at this little child. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to tell this baby about their brother. So I like, I had pictures on my refrigerator and like pulled them off. And I'm like, this is Bo. This is your two-year-old brother. And I started telling the baby about, um, you know, our family and, um, I told you I wasn't going to cry. And I like, I think there was a book out on the couch and I like read the baby a book. It sounds so weird. Like it makes me sound like a weirdo kind of, but, um, like that was how I felt like to honor that child, I guess. And if I would have had a DNC, I, I mean, I, I would have been just as upset, maybe more because I know that it's such a traumatic experience. But I just felt like I had to, like, do something to, like, honor that baby. And I was alone. And it was four in the morning. And I'm super emotional. So I just kind of, like, sat there and talked to this baby and, like, told him about um, his brother and his dad and, you know, what his dad did. And I keep saying he because... I had a boy. I just assumed it was another boy. Anyway, it was very sad. It sounds very weird to actually tell people that. But in a way, it was like very healing for me because I was able to like honor that little baby's life. I don't think that's weird at all because you, everyone copes in different ways. And I think that's the important part is that you do what is best for you. Mm-hmm. I went to the doctor at 8am and I bring this baby. And this is really weird that you have this Kendra Scott bag because I brought the baby in that exact bag. Becky brings over her like computer and like the microphone and all this stuff in this yellow Kendra Scott bag. It's the exact same size. Like that is like freaky to me. That is weird. I put what's even weirder is I've only bought one thing from there. Um, I put the baby in a Kinder Scott bag, like in the Tupperware in a Kinder Scott bag and went to my doctor. I do not know why I didn't put the baby in my purse, but I didn't want people to see it because I thought that's weird. 
And but then what's weird is that I'm bringing a Kinder Scott bag into the doctor at 8 a.m. Anyway, um, but I go in and he does a. Actually, I don't even know that he did a sonogram because I described everything to him and he saw how much I was bleeding. And he was like, yeah, you know, you've you've lost the baby. Like and I was like, do you need to see the baby? He's like, no, I like I know what happened. Um, And so he was like, I'm so sorry. And I go, well, what do I do with this baby? And he was like, well, I could take the baby for you. But, I mean, and I was like, you would just discard of it. And he basically, like, shook his head. I was like, no, 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 I'll just take it. It would be interesting if anybody knows what the protocol is Well, for that. And it might not be pretty, and that might just be what it is. Yeah, I mean, because what are you supposed to do? Well, I delivered when I lived in Tulsa at St. Francis Hospital, and I, I found out later that... St. Francis, um, all their babies that were from a DNC, they cremated all of those babies and they buried them at the cemetery Mm. and did a little service for them every year. So I thought that was really cool. So I took the baby home and I call my mom and I'm like, what do I do with this baby? You know, cause I, I mean, I realized like, I can't like keep this baby. And I thought, I'll bury it in our backyard. But I knew at the time we'd be moving within a year or two. So I was like, I can't do that. Um, my friend Morgan was like, let me, let me make some phone calls. And I was like, okay, whatever. I don't even know what that means. And she called, um, there was a funeral home in Tulsa called Floral Haven and they buried babies and children for free. Well, I didn't consider, I did consider this a baby. I a hundred percent did, but I didn't think of that because I was only nine and a half weeks pregnant. So I, I just was like, this isn't the same as a stillborn or even a 20 week baby or for sure a one-year-old like this, this isn't on that same level. And I, I understood that and I felt that even, but I just didn't know what to do. And so Morgan calls and explains the situation and calls me back. And she's like, listen, they said that they can, they have little spots out there. And I mean, this baby was teeny tiny, an inch. She's like, they can bury the baby out there. And she's like, they'll do it for free. Like nobody has to go with you. You don't even have to be there. And it, that was such an answer to prayer because, um, I would have never thought of that. And, I would have thought that was weird in the first place, but she was like, you want to honor this child? Like, this is the perfect way. So Stephen and I did like a little private ceremony. I did not want anybody there. It just was in this tiny little box and they just buried it in the cemetery for free. And it was like, I, we didn't do like a marker or anything, but I know where that baby is. It's like, right by a tree. And right before we moved from Tulsa, we went by there to, and then I was like, wait, is it this tree? (laughs) That's horrible, but it doesn't uh, matter. Yeah. Anyway. So that's like, that was a really traumatic miscarriage for us because we physically saw everything. And, and can you tell them what happened? Um, the science behind what happened? 
in terms of um, you were diagnosed. After yeah. That. So after that, they um, did. I got like a panel of blood testing and to figure out, you know, I had two in a row and I had something called MTHFR, which apparently 40% of the population have the remedies to that worked because I got pregnant with Hudson. Um, I had to do baby aspirin, which I still take every day for my daughter right now. Um, I had to take baby aspirin. I had to take extra folic acid and I was monitored and then I had like a special prenatal and then I was like monitored extra closely. Well, that all worked because another four or five months went by and I got pregnant with Hudson. Now that time I was really freaking out because the second miscarriage like scarred me and there's a lot of, um, intrusive thoughts that go into that, Mm -hmm. that you're coping with. Yes. And that time for sure I was because I was very, I couldn't let my, I couldn't get excited really. Like when I did get pregnant because I was really scared, like this is going to happen again. Uh, praise God. I had a healthy little boy. Yeah. So basically I had this healthy baby, had two miscarriages and then had another healthy baby. Um, and then before this current baby, we had another miscarriage. Yeah, I had a third miscarriage. So I'm about to have my little girl right before her. I had another miscarriage. Um, so that was pregnancy number five. Now you're on pregnancy number six. Yes. And my third miscarriage was really, it was really sad. Uh, it was disappointing. It was different for me than the other two because I was so much earlier and I also wasn't expecting to be pregnant. So I didn't know for, for very many days that I was went to the doctor, they confirmed it. And at that point I thought, okay, I'm done. I'm done having kids. Like this is God's way of telling me, like we were, Stephen and I were just in the midst of really trying to decide, are we going to have a third or not? And we were really leaning towards not at that point. And then I got pregnant with that third miscarriage that I lost. And I just kind of viewed that as, okay, this is it. We're done. You know, I'm so thankful for them. And I had moved. I felt like I really had felt like God had healed me and I had healed from those miscarriages Mostly probably because I did go on to have a healthy baby and I just moved on with my life. And I think when you start talking to other people about it too, Mm -hmm. you come to find out that, oh, so-and-so that happened to so-and-so. Yes. Oh, so-and-so. I had people reach out to me that knew about you and wanted to know about, like, tell me more about, what is it, Mary? MTFR? Oh, MTHFR. Yeah. MTHFR. So I had people reach out to me about you and I think the more people talk about it, the more, not that it makes the pain go away, but maybe it does normalize things a little more yeah. to know that so many women you feel less alone. go down that road. Yes. Do you think about those babies? I do. Not all the, not all the time, um, around like the days that I lost them. And then, you know, what's funny is so the second baby that was in the bathroom that we lost, um, that was on May 4th and I had Hudson exactly one year later on May 10th. And so it was just kind of like God was redeeming that. 
But I do feel like, you know, every year, like this December, I was like, oh, we would have a three-year-old. But then I think we wouldn't have Hudson. So I, I think it's one of those things I do think about the babies, but not like on an everyday basis. I've, I've healed from it, but I understand like it's, it was kind of like a part of me. Like that was a big part of my life going through all of that. So we've talked about how, whether that you've had one or your friend has had one, Mm -hmm. is there anything that you would say you should not say to somebody that is opening up to you about having a miscarriage or what, what helped and what hurt? Okay, I think what helped me was even when people would just be like, I don't know, like, I don't know what to say, but I am so sorry. I'm praying for you. What can I do? Like, like, even if you don't know what to say, saying, like, saying, I don't know what to say is helpful. Honesty. Honesty. But then I feel like sometimes people, which I, I have done this a million times in my life. So if this is you, this is me too. But, um, I feel like sometimes people want to be helpful and they want to like feel like they're being helpful. Mm -hmm. So they'll say things like, well, everything happens for a reason. God doesn't give you more than you can handle. Like, which that's actually not true. God does give you more than you can handle. So so you can can rely on him. Yeah. Uh, the phrase, everything happens for a reason drove me bonkers. Did people really say that? Yes. Did I say that? No, you didn't. Okay. Okay. I feel like just saying, I'm so sorry. I don't know how you're feeling, but I'm praying for you. I love you. That is so much better than trying to make sense of it. And I think people can't, it's hard for people to take on that emotion of someone. No one wants people to feel sad and they get uncomfortable in that sadness. So people are very quick to say, oh, it'll be okay. And you want to be like, will it? Do you know that? Will it be okay? Because in the moment you're pissed and you're sad. And like now I can look back and if I was talking to someone that was going through that I would say it is going to be okay. You know, you you are going to move on, you know, you will never forget those babies, but you, you will move on and have a happy life and you will heal. And God, I don't think everything happens for a reason. I think God can use everything and turn it and use it for good. For example, like, I don't think he caused those miscarriages he was there when they were happening. This is just my personal opinion. Um, but I think, you know, he held me up during that time. And then he brought me Hudson, you know. And so, I don't know. It's hard to make sense of all of that in your head. But definitely don't say everything happens for a reason. Because that drove me nuts. Because I just wanted to honestly, like, punch them in the face. And I think, too, this is just me, nobody else. When people say... Um, thoughts and prayers, T's and P's, like, or they're just like, Oh, I'll pray for you. Will you please like really do? Yeah. You yeah. Know, like, Don't say you're going to pray for me. Please really. Uh-huh. Like that is what you can do to help me. So please. Yeah. Be on your knees. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do what yeah. you got to do. I do really want to say like every miscarriage is different. Like each of mine were so different. My emotions were different behind it. I feel like it also depends on, 
do you have children already? Where are you, you know, they're all sad. Let me say that. I don't want to minimize anyone's pain, um, no matter what situation you're in or have been in, but there you process them all so differently. Am I making sense? Yeah. Okay. But thank you for sharing this. Cause I know it's something that you could easily just bury and, and keep in the past. Cause it's much less painful that way. Like with anything in life, whether it's this or something else, I hope that everyone out there that's listening, it provides some understanding for. Yeah. And we just want people to know, you know, the journey to motherhood is not always picture perfect as to what you see on Instagram. Because if you were my friend on social media, you would have no clue that that happened to me. Cause I did not share that until I did share it eventually. Once I was pregnant with Hudson, like halfway through with him, mm-hmm. but, um, and not to be all doom and gloom either. So to the people that are like 24 and they're like, what is this what my road is going to be like? That's not necessarily no, true either. No, no. And my road, I still would say it's been a good road. Mm-hmm. You know, it's I've had my hiccups, but it's just not like those 24, 25 year olds, who, whatever we were that were like, so this is the way we're going to do it. And it's going to be great. Yes. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. Yeah. Everything's going to work out the way we think it's going to work out. All right. So here's to motherhood. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed our interview with Mare. One in four pregnancies ends in miscarriage. So there's a good chance that if you haven't walked down this road yourself, you do know someone who has. So we just wanted to be able to share this story in hopes that it encourages you. And if nothing else, maybe it gives you a little insight to the roads that people walk despite the perfection that you see on social media through everyone's highlight reel. There's always a backstory. We'll see you next time. I always say that. We won't see you, (laughs) but we do love to have you listen and interact with us on our social media pages. So find us there at Blue Wife Life Podcast.